When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm just going to let you listen to this atmosphere and just let it soak in. It's the type of atmosphere that sends a shiver down your spine. This is why Nottingham Forest are unbeaten in seven home games in the Premier League. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast and to March's Forest Ramble discussion. I am your host, Rich Ferraro, and in this podcast, we're going to cover the table is getting tighter and tighter. Can the Reds beat the drop? Has Forrest's January transfer business actually made the team weaker? And why so many injuries? All this and more as we have our regular sketch from Jeremy Davis and we have another round of our Nottingham Forest quiz. All of this is coming up in this episode of 1865, the podcast which would never pass off unsubstantiated rumour as fact. So let's say hello to today's panel, and we're going to start off by asking them who they think will be in the Premier League bottom three at the end of the season. And we're going to start off with the brilliant Baz. Hello. Um, Yeah, I reckon it's going to be Leicester, West Ham and Bournemouth. Okay, the marvellous Maradona of the Midlands. I um I think it will be Southampton, Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest. Okay, the stunning Stephen Topless. Hello, I think it will be Southampton, Bournemouth, and Crystal Palace. Okay, and the tantalising Tom Newton. Yeah, I think it's going to be Bournemouth, Southampton, and Crystal Palace. Right. Okay. So we will obviously be talking a lot more about the relegation battle. And you've told us whether or not you think the Reds will beat the drop. 
Some people are more optimistic than others, as we'd expect. And we'll go into a little more detail about that in just a minute. But first, let's hear what Steve Cooper had to say after our long unbeaten home run came to an end against Newcastle. Just really disappointed with the two goals. Um, obviously, you're always disappointed with goals, but the the football decisions that we made in the build-up to to the goals are um, are ones that we can only blame our, ourselves in the timing of a, for a start. Um, you know, it's it's everyone will talk about the penalty and the, and the handball and the decision around that, but um, but there was equally poor decisions in the first goal as well. And like I said, the timing of it, 46 was it minutes and 90 odd minutes, you know, to to do what we did, you know, we can only blame ourselves. Okay, um, Baz, those footballing decisions, I mean, should we be worried that Forest players are still making these poor footballing decisions? They are mostly experienced at the top level and yet we still find things keep going wrong. Yeah, it's worrying. Um, the 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 thing that that seems at, that I'm that's worried me is actually we seem to pick up for a bit and then it's it's slid again. And I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about possible reasons for that that slide afterwards. But that the ray of hope is it's the international break, and we seem to do a little bit better after the international break. And Steve Cooper gets some time with the players to work with them just in general rather than preparing for a match. So hopefully that's going to be the thing that that puts us right. Mm. Uh, and Maradon the Midlands, you know, you've in our group chat, you said <laughs> after a few minutes of the Newcastle match, you're going, it's, it's going to be a long night. And, but even then it, you, we were, relatively resilient I mean yeah Navas had to make a few saves but compared to some other matches we restricted Newcastle to a reasonable amount of chances so it's those mistakes that cost us really isn't it yeah um they were I mean <clears throat> I thought we were still we were fortunate still to be in the game um because I mean they hit the crossbar twice um they looked like they were going to score pretty much every time they sort of ran towards us for a long period they had <clears throat> it was a lot of last ditch defending from our, our midfield we seemed to be outnumbered in the middle and and down the flanks as well there's plenty of sort of two on one opportunities for Newcastle to get at us so um, <clears throat> I mean you, you could say it was we were a bit unfortunate because it was just mistakes but overall on the balance of play I think we're a bit lucky still to be in it at 1-1 Mm-hmm. Okay. And we'll we'll come to Tom and Stephen in, in just a minute because I think for both for both of you, you kind of did feel that your mood had changed once you'd slept on it. So before we come to you, let's hear what our very own Adam had to say. Um he can't be here tonight, but he wanted us to play this. I think there was a lot of emotion on Friday night and probably Saturday morning as well. Um I would say that I'm in the camp that I think staying up tough. Right now, and it was let's be honest, it was never easy, but I think it just seems a lot harder now. But realistically speaking, because the teams down there are all on similar points, they've all got to play each other a couple of times. We could we could maybe beat Leeds, Wolves, and Southampton, three teams that are around us. That then puts us on what thirty five points. Thirty five points might keep us up, right? And that's assuming that we don't 
So that would be win three and lose eight, essentially. So if you look at it that way, you can look at it positively. <laughs> but then we've got to beat Wolves, Leeds and Southampton. Um, they're going to be tough. Look, it, it's just hopefully get a couple of players back. Let's be honest, on another day we fluke a draw against Newcastle, don't we? If we fluked one against Man City, we could have fluked one against Newcastle quite easily, right? There'll be a couple of games like Brighton at home or even Brentford away with how Leicester went there and got something and Palace away that we look at and we maybe pick up points in as well. So there's reason to be positive, but we've just got to make sure that we do come out firing. Tom, I mean, you were pretty despondent on Friday um, and you had also joined the conversation a couple of days later where I think you'd calmed down a little bit. So um, with a bit of passage of time, it was doom and gloom on Friday night, but how are you feeling now? I think it's because we played first over the weekend and as it happened, we're two points above the relegation zone and everybody else still had to play the following day. So I think he was waiting for the inevitability that we would drop into the bottom three and thankfully... This hasn't happened. So the mentality uh, type of thing going into the international break, being two points and out of the relegation zone, I know it's very tight down there, but that could be a massive positive for us going, because we've got like 11 game shootout now or whatever it is. And it's a matter of let's reset, get some key players back like Cheku Kiate and Taiwo Awani, who before they got injured were starting to find the feet for us so yeah I, I think it was just despondent because of how we we've let the goals in we was first of the Premier League weekend and you, you look at him thinking it could have been worse it's not great but it could have been worse I mean okay West Ham didn't play because they were scheduled to play Man City so and they've got the game in hand but I'd rather have points on the board than, and a position on the board if, rather than themselves who haven't had that game yet so you just don't know so yeah like I said I've calmed down and I'm just I think we've got to be positive because if you doom and gloom and then that transpires onto from the fans in the ground onto the pitch everybody's going to suffer so yeah when we come back for that Wolves game uh, in a few weeks we're going um, everybody's got to be at it basically. And, and Stephen, when we recorded the match report after the Newcastle game, so we recorded it on Saturday morning when Forrest was still somehow stuck in 14th, as we have been for weeks. Um, astonishingly, we're looking at the table now and <laughs> astonishingly, Palace are still in 12th. Lord knows how that how that works when they haven't won for about six months. Um, but you and I did discuss that... By the time the podcast went out to people's feeds and if they were listening to it on Saturday tea time, Forrest could conceivably have been going into the international break in the relegation zone. And we're not, as Tom's just said, we're two points above the relegation zone, albeit West Ham have that game in hand. So psychologically, how important is that? I think it's big for us to to be outside the relegation zone at this point to drop into the relegation zone off the back of a defeat like Newcastle, I think could have been uh, sort of doubly damaging. It was bad enough losing in injury time, the way we did to then have that result drop us into the bottom three would have been a double whammy. So I'm glad that that's not happened. And as it stands, we're two points clear. So 
arguably it's still in our hands as long as we're above that line it's still in our hands and it's all to play for and I'd rather be in that position than trying to chase from the bottom three and hope that teams above you slip up or you need to beat teams above you to go above them it's the way it is at the moment of course our recent run of form has been damaging but it's not the end of the world and I, I kind of echo what Tom's been saying that we need to be positive and we need to come back after the international break. Players and the fans, everybody involved, ready to go and make a big final push in these last 11 games. Uh, Baz, uh, what we're also looking at with this table is that the form guides that come along and from 12th downwards, it's only Forest and Palace, who haven't got a single win in the last six games. Palace had got two draws and then four defeats in a row. We've got four defeats, but all I peppered with a couple of draws. Um, Leicester have got a curious one where they had a win and four defeats and then a draw. So um, Leicester have gone through that one. You know, they've got very streaky form, haven't they? And they've they've plummeted down. Um, The form table becomes very important at this at the business end of the season, doesn't it? It does. Um, as much for the, the psychology of it than there's than the points or anything, because you want to feel like you're on the up, that you you're going somewhere. And I think that's part of the the, the despondency that we've been having is is that we, we went from um sort of winning at home or scraping points at home and then competing away to falling apart away and only just holding on at home and it's that slide that this that's that's the worrying thing um but i mean yeah it's it's we're all saying the same thing though is we need to reset and go for it and and keep keep the positivity because we're in the right place we're, we're not in the bottom three and that's that's got to be a positive um i was uh... I'll just go back to Steve Cooper because uh, about a week ago, certainly before the Newcastle match, I think it was after the Spurs game, he had this to say. The situation we're in, we've always been in. You know, OK, there's a there's a points gap that you want to be bigger than, and it has been bigger than what it is now, but but we're still in the same part of the, the league table that is the objective is to stay away from the bottom. And uh, so that hasn't changed. I repeat, OK, the, the gap's been bigger than... than than what it is now, but we've always, and not just us, every team around us, have always been one or two games away from the situation looking much better or worse. So nothing changes, really. There's there's no, like, smack in the face and, oh, look where we are. It's a situation that uh, has been the same, really, really from when we got promoted. Maradona in the Midlands, I mean... Is that just what you'd expect a manager to say? Or do you think that Steve Cooper genuinely believes that Forrest are, you know, he's, he always makes a point of not getting too high when you win, not too low when you lose. Do you think that's that statement we've just heard there is a continuation of that of that mindset? Yeah, I think it is. Um, he's He's got to stay positive and he's got to stay sort of <clears throat> grounded. He can't, he can't, as the leader of the organisation, he can't be all doom and gloom and say, oh, no. We're we're buggered. We we can't defend. We can't score goals. There's no way we're going to stay up. He can't. We we as fans can say that, but he as as the manager can't say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he, 
we're lucky in the sense that we've got the international break now just to have that little bit of a a mental refresh and sort of rethink about what we're doing and and what what's been going wrong and um and just maybe go check just similar to what happened after the Leicester game Leicester away we sort of just had a, a complete reset of the way we were trying to play and the formation and things like that it, it might need something like that to to get us going again because at the moment that they're, they're playing with fear they're playing they're playing too much in their heads uh the sort of pressure of, of having to win the away, the home games now i think he's starting to get to them um yeah and in one of our group chats you did say i think it was, before, it was after the spurs match wasn't it that you said um the, the the danger is always when you lose momentum and forest have lost that having had a good spell it's as that form table shows, it's very demonstrably not been a good spell over the last six or seven matches. Yeah, I mean the, the momentum's such a, a, a important factor in football. You just those those games when we were on that good spell, um, we just dug out a result from somewhere, anywhere. Just sort of lucky things went for us. Like um, b- before the break, Crystal Palace missing a penalty, and then we're, us scoring the Leicester game. Um, who was it? Har- Har- um, Harvey Barnes, Harvey Barnes missing those two chances, and then we we going up, popping up and scoring, um, things like that. The Man City game sort of dragged us through the Leeds game. I mean, we hardly touched the ball for most of the Leeds game, but we still had that sort of positive momentum and belief that that the momentum gives you. Uh, but the opposite is also true. Once you get used to losing, sort of little things start falling against you, um, like you, like your centre half committing an inexplicable handball in the last minute um, to lose you the game. So, um, yeah, we've just got to sort of refresh now and, and somehow get going again. Uh, Tom, one of the things we were discussing just before we uh, started recording this podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, we are recording this in the midweek, so uh, it'll be a couple of days before before our listeners are joining us. But uh, we're recording this in the midweek and Crystal Palace have confirmed that Roy Hodgson is going to be their manager uh, for the rest of the season. One thing that's striking about this bottom part of the table is that you have got teams who are struggling to score. So Palace, Wolves, Everton and us, we've only got 22 goals chalked in our favour. Uh, West Ham and Bournemouth um, have scored 24-25 and Southampton scored 23. Um, so scoring goals is a problem. But then there's also Leeds who scored 35 goals this season and Leicester scored 38. So it's not just the usual thing of, you know, if you can score goals and you won't be in trouble because <laughs> a lot of these teams have got really leaky defences and Forest have got the second worst after Bournemouth. Um, just on the topic of Palace, because obviously we are playing them on the last day of the season and we're hoping that it won't be vital on the day. but. If you're struggling to score goals and that's your main problem, is appointing Roy Hodgson going to be the thing that makes a difference? No, I just, I don't, when I heard that, they were talking to him, I thought, why are you going around that exercise again? Because they couldn't wait to get him out of the door 18 months ago or whenever it was because of his football was like really um, basically defensive, not a lot of excitement and Palace fans wanted him out and I think they would have been better just keeping Vieira, but the form guides suggest that they're in a similar run of form to us. And they've sacked Vieira and got Hodgson in and they're like, they need to score goals. And like I said, well, like you've said, it's they've only scored 22 all season. 
I think it's a strange appointment by um, Palace and I sincerely hope we, we and others can drag him in and then obviously um, we play him on the final game of the season but hoping that we don't need to get a result there. I hope it's all done and dusted by then in our favour of staying in the Premier League. Baz, uh, two things. The the first thing that's just occurred to me is that 1865 dad is really not very much older than Roy Hodgson. And I can't think of anything I'd like less than putting him in one of the most high stress jobs that you can have for three months. Um, but the other thing is uh, just that issue about with the way the table is and with the way that the games are going. Obviously, there's a lot of teams playing each other and, and Palace fans have constant, consistently pointed to the fact that their sticky run has been against pretty much against teams above them in the table. And now they're playing teams below them in the table. It doesn't take much for the table to look very different, does it? So Leeds position wise and Wolves position wise, they're suddenly looking better than they are. But of course, they're still in the mix. So does that odd combination of six pointer fixtures does it make does it mean that everything is less predictable um yeah i mean leeds were looking dead and buried a couple of weeks ago so but just actually another point on on old managers um given a choice between roy hodgson and colin taking over as he has done at huddersfield who would you have so i'd much rather have colin in this situation the the fact that we all these teams have to play each other it means yeah this this the, t- the way the table looks now isn't going to be any with anywhere near the final situation. Um, another thing that might be an influence, I was just reading the other day, is that um, Fulham have got at least four of these teams to play and they're going to do it without Mitro. So that could have an effect as well. Mm, it's Well, we're going to come on to talk about the, the influence of absent players for Forest as well. Um uh, so a couple of things that I've picked up from from reading the Athletic, actually. So um, one of them is that Polina is actually the most influential player for Fulham, which is uh, interesting. So they don't miss Mitrovic as much as they used to because Polina is the one where if he plays, they do well. The second thing is, I mean, Baz, you flagged it up. Um, which is the Athletic did a study which shows that if you change your manager after March, it basically makes no material difference to what you're going to do that season. So is that, again, something that you would say, along with the actual appointment, you'd say, well, what are Palace doing? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, obviously we have no idea what went on behind the scenes, but I thought Vieira was doing a really good job. He just hit a sticky patch and it's... If he's if he's lost the players, then that's a different thing. But I can't see how Hodgson's going to get them out of it. Making the change at this time, Leeds left it as long as they could to make the change, and it seems to just be making some sort of difference. But but he's got so little time to make a change, and he's Roy Hodgson, and <laughs> the types of changes he he's going to make aren't necessarily what they need, as far as I can see. Okay, uh, Tom, you'd be wanting to come in there. Yeah, just. The final game of the season for Leicester, they play West Ham. Mm-hmm. So that could be uh, quite telling regarding that final relegation um, place. So uh, well, not- that's a, that's assuming everything still looks the same. Yeah, true. Game's time, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I just think West Ham just, I think will be still down there. And I think with Leicester, it's, I think they rely so heavily on Madison. If he's not playing, we've got mm-hmm. nobody else to create and score the goals because Vardy's obviously. 
he's getting on a bit now and his form's fallen off a, a cliff, hasn't it? And then all the others are just not consistent in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, one thing about... You brought up Leicester there and, and Murray on the Midlands. You're talking about the, the open secret at Tottenham. I mean, it's also been the case all season. Everyone's saying, well, Rogers isn't going to walk and the club can't afford to fire him. So Leicester, Leicester still have the same manager and they'll, but they're so, so streaky, aren't they? Anyway, let's move on. And Stephen, we've talked about the international break coming up and we've also talked about those silly mistakes. And Steve Cooper's talked about those bad football decisions how much of that is influenced by injuries? And have, have Forrest actually been unlucky with injuries? Is it something that happens at all clubs? Is there something we should be more concerned about? Injuries have played a big part in our season. Uh, when you look at the both the number of players who've been injured and the positions that have been affected by injury, basically every position in the team has been affected by injury at some point or is still affected by injury. I made a list earlier of the kind of players who are on the sidelines, certainly at the moment or have been very re- up until very recently. Dean Henderson, Nia Carte, Ryan Yates, Bolly, McKenna, of course, both in the same game, Kuyate and Awanyi. That's essentially the spine of a team that is injured or has been unavailable to Steve Cooper. Now, okay, we've brought Kaylor Navas, who's an excellent goalkeeper. That's, you know, that's a positive. And we've got Felipe in there now as well, who's been a positive. But really, we've we've had a lot of disruption this season from injury. And I do think that has a knock-on effect in terms of mistakes, because I think if you are a settled team, Players know exactly what they're doing, knowing what their jobs are. I think those mistakes eventually reduce. And one of the great strengths of Forest last season was that we kept the majority of the squad fit for the whole season. And when players were injured, we, it was, we only had to move one or two around or bring one or two in to cover injury at one time. So that settled team played a big part in our success last season. And I would argue... There's been no point this season, really, bar three or four games where we've been able to put out a settled team and one which I think is Steve Cooper's strongest that he has available to him. Baz, you've also commented um, to me that one of the things that's been been an issue with players being out is not just ability, but personality. And you've pointed towards Dean Henderson and and we can also obviously talk about Ryan Yates as well, can't we? Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I really, really like Kaylor Navas. I think he's probably the best keeper I've seen in the flesh. And the, the speed of his reactions and the way he thinks about the game and the way he reads it, it's amazing. But... I think we're really, really missing Dean Henderson because what Hendo would do would turn to the crowd and get us cheering and roaring at us, and he would have a go at the at the defenders. Navas, I don't know if it's his English or because he knows he's only here for a few months or what it is, but he doesn't have a go at the defenders in the same way that Henderson did and tell them where to be and what to watch out for. And I think that makes a big, big difference. And I think we've we've actually. It's weird to say it because I, I I think Navas is amazing, but I think we've missed Henderson. 
Mm. And I mean, just for the as a counter argument there, when Yatesy went off on Friday night, it was Navas rather than Freuler who's worn the armband before. But it's Navas who took the armband. So this suggests that his English is good and his status is is assured. Um, but, you know, maybe there's another thing going on there. I mean, married on the Midlands. It, it's not a coincidence that Forrest looked much more competitive when Ryan Yates was on the pitch. And then, you know, there was a certain lack of authority, shall we say, after he went off? Yeah, I mean, he, he's so important to the way we play. And he, along with sort of Morgan Gibbs-White, um, was so influential when we were having our good run. They were sort of having, uh, putting in superhuman performances, really. So the the, the metaphorical 110%. Uh, they sort of do more than one player's job, and so to, when he's out of the team, we're 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 more than one player down. Um, mm. He's 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 vital to the way we play. He just covers so much ground, provides that drive, um, does all the little niggly fouls and things, gets under the skin of the opposition, and we we've really missed him. Um, those those away games where he, where he didn't play, you could you could see we were missing him then. Um, so it, it's it's really really vital that we can get him up. Speed. I mean, that we've not heard anything back about his uh, shoulder injury yet, have we? So, I don't know how serious that is. I just hope it's not nothing too bad, and he's back after the international break. Mm, yeah, yeah. And 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 Tom, um, all all teams will say, oh, we've had injuries. So, um, you know, the other night Newcastle were missing Joe Linton, and and Wilson was only able to be on the bench. Almiron was missing. Um, Nearer to our position, Leeds have been missing Patrick Bamford and or Rodrigo for much of the season. You know, every team would say, oh, we've we've got players missing. Um, and of course, people will point towards, well, for it, it always makes me laugh. You hear commentators, professional commentators saying, well, Forrest should have enough players. Like We've got a 25 man squad like everyone else. Yeah. But have Forrest suffered more than other teams in the bottom 12, uh, sorry, sorry, from 12th below? I think I think they have because if you look at it, you know, if you look at like a Newcastle or a Leeds, for example, their players have been together a lot longer, so gelling with each other. Like if you lose like an Elmer on, uh, like a um, Jacob Murphy, I think it's Jacob Murphy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He um, replaced uh, Elmer on. Uh, Joe Linton uh, can be replaced by like Longstaff, vice versa, and then. With Leeds, uh, they probably have the same thing, but because uh, our situation's unique, we're about well, we've signed a whole squad, and they've never played with each other before, and all that. I think oh, it makes it harder for us because obviously players are learning on the job of gelling and finding out what the best traits are for the person who's playing next to them. So I think that's why we've suffered because by each game, it might be like a different partnership. What's not been together for a long period of time and trying to gel and trying to get everybody integrated in the squad and how we're playing in a certain way. It's just made it a lot harder compared to a team where they probably had like the spine of their squad or whatever there for a long sustained period, you see. And just, uh, Baz, just to come to you before we we move on, uh, I mean, part of that as well is you sign a whole bunch of players, many of whom join after the season starts or just on the cusp of the season starting. You've got a few more who join in in the mid-season transfer window. You and I 
in the on this podcast many times have talked about the importance of preseason, not just for physical fitness, but also for getting that unity in terms of squads, tactics, and so on. And how much of the injuries, apart from that issue of gelling that Tom's talked about, how much of the injuries do you think are down to the fact that most of our players haven't had a forest preseason fitness regime? Well, see, Steve Cooper, I heard an interview with Steve Cooper the other day, and he was saying there's no pattern to them. And obviously, we look at these things, but it, it does sit in my mind that actually there's got to be something going on here to have what we had. Like, I can remember when we played Leicester, they made a big point about how Leicester have nine players out injured. And I was like, well, we've got 10 at the moment. And that's a lot of players to have out injured in one go. We were saying about Leeds or whatever, having three or four out. But yeah, to have 10 out in one go, there's there's got to be something that's going on there. And I hope they are looking at it and I hope they are finding patterns. And Steve Cooper just doesn't want to talk about it because it's it seems it seems weird to me. It, it does seem like it's it's is it just that they, they didn't have a proper preseason or is it something in training or is it something else? I, I, I can't I don't know. And especially when we're getting a lot of muscle injuries, it seems it does seem odd. And of course, you know, there's there's a few which are mysterious. Like we saw Kiate get injured in the World Cup, but you know, Musa Niakate, um, you know, who was out for a few weeks and then he went out with Senegal and broke down again. And it's taken it basically he was out for six months as a result of that. We've got Jesse Lingard who can't get fit to save his life. We've got the mysterious hairline fracture that Omar Richards has got. So, so lots and lots of questions and not necessarily ones that we can answer. Um, so because we can't answer them, I'm going to say thank you to the panel for just the time being. In a few minutes, we'll be back with some more discussions and we will have our forest quiz. But first, it's time for this. The 1865 sketch by Jeremy Davis. When your correspondent was young, in the very dawn of the video game age, Space Invaders was the game that got all the hype. But the one that really caught my attention was Asteroids. The Empire Strikes Back had just come out, and the thought of successfully navigating an asteroid field against odds of approximately 3,720 to 1, note for our younger listeners, ask your mum and dad, excited me so much more than the Space Invaders setup of hiding behind a set of four big immobile lumps as they were progressively worn down by wave upon wave of relentless attacks. Although that does give us a sense of how Kayla Navas must have felt in recent games. But good old asteroids came to mind recently at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and not just because glimpsing the ground from the other end of Seven Sisters Road, it looks like something from outer space. In asteroids, you controlled a tiny ship whose chief attribute was to rotate slowly in a circle in the centre of the screen, taking pot shots at approaching rocks. If you weren't happy with the position of the ship, you could press the thrust button, and it would be propelled a few pixels in whatever direction it was facing before slowing to a halt under its own inertia. A style and speed of movement that bears strong comparison to that of John Joe Shelby. Shelby is, of course, heir to a proud tradition of bald midfielders at Forest going back to Steve Stone, Johnny Method, and, of course, Archie Gemmell. Although it's unlikely that anyone will compare having a one-night stand in a flat in Edinburgh with a goal scored by John Joe Shelby. Yes, it's a train spotting reference, because I'm really going for the Gen Z audience here. Again, ask your parents. 
against Spurs, Shelby was picking up the ball off the back four and spraying passes wide for Emmanuel Dennis, who then focused on coming up with new and innovative ways to lose possession. As a tactic, it did seem oddly reminiscent of an early 80s arcade game. Simple, repetitive gameplay, clearly so addictive that you just had to keep on putting 10 peas in the machine to have another go at that one bit you just couldn't get past. At Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, it was the halfway line. It wasn't only Shelby who was channeling 20th century video games in the match against Spurs. Aurier and Lottie were like Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter 2 in that they looked so great you thought they just must be the best characters in the game until they actually came up against an opponent who pulled off a couple of special moves and left them in a tangle of limbs. Emmanuel Dennis played like an inexperienced Mario Kart player, bobbing and weaving between a couple of opponents and accelerating away only to veer uncontrollably off the track because he hadn't got his head up and looked at what was in front of him. Brennan Johnson was like the eponymous hero in Frogger, constantly failing to navigate the obstacles in his path to reach his destination. What we really need at the moment, of course, is for the Forest centre-back pairing to morph into Mario and Luigi and fix the plumbing in our leaky defence. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Welcome back to 1865. And thank you to Jeremy for another sketch. Um... With apologies to any of our listeners who were born after about 1990, it's worth pointing out that Jeremy's machine of choice was the Atari. And for any other male middle-aged listeners, uh, I don't know about you, but I suddenly found myself thinking about Kelly MacDonald then. Um, Now, just before we move on, uh, going back to that, that topic that we're talking about before the break, the... Steve Cooper had this to say in an interview uh, with Sky Sports about injuries and player turnover. So I quote, the injuries that have been a feature of the club season, uh, even losing those two starting centre-backs to the same muscle problem in the same game. Cooper said, if I moan about it, I think I'm giving the players an excuse, myself as well. I do not want to do that. And when he was asked about the turnover of players and whether that presented problems with cohesion and, and momentum, He said, if I looked at it by thinking we've not been able to do this or to do that, it would be a negative energy. And we do not believe in that here. Um, Baz, we've heard about, you know, we've had thinking managers, we've had blunderbuss managers and so on. Where does Steve Cooper rate on that scale? Well, that sounds like a California hippie manager to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, he's right. Is is he can't, especially as as um, Maradona Midland said earlier, he can't be the public figurehead and be negative. Um, Nigel Clough does that, and every time I hear him on the radio, I'm like, why is he a manager? Um, so he needs to be positive. But I do think that the situation that we found ourselves in, especially with injuries, has had a big, big influence, and. I think, like, for example, um, John Joe Shelby is a good example in that 
he sprays these passes forwards, but the only players he's got to play it to are Jono and Morgan Gibbs-White, and they get marked out of the game now. Whereas if we had Yates and Kiate making those darting runs forward from, from midfield, he'd have someone to play it to. It, it makes such a big difference to his game and the rest of us, the results that we get off it. Um, so the, all these things add up and and it's having an influence. Okay. And on the topic of Shelby, Stephen, um, one of the accusations that's been thrown around in the aftermath of defeats, it's worth pointing out, but one of the accusations is that the January transfer activity has made the squad worse and actually damaged our chances of, of avoiding the bottom of the table. Um, there are fingers being pointed at particularly Wood and Shelby. Um, I asked in a Twitter poll... Has the January transfer window made Forest's squad better, worse, or just about the same? And it was a tight one between people saying 37% saying just the same strength, 35% saying worse, and 27% saying better. So a fairly even spread of votes there. Um, what do you think, Stephen? I mean, there's an argument that we needed to get bodies in, but but there's also the argument about are the players coming in better than what we had or different to what we had? When we saw the players coming in, I thought that they were quite clever signings. I thought Chris Wood would have been a good signing as a real different option for us up top. We didn't have anybody in the club, striker-wise, who is like him. So I thought having him in the squad, maybe to come on and provide a different option in games was a real bonus. And I thought John Joe Shelby was a good signing in so much his experience in the Premier League, his technical ability. And I was hoping that actually these players would come in more as impact substitutes, players who would come off the bench either to help us chase a game if we needed it or close out a game if we were ahead. But I think the injuries have played a part here and we are playing the likes of Shelby more than I think we needed to and perhaps planned to. And on that basis, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it with the idea that Yates, Kiyote, et cetera, are still in, are fitting in the squad, for example. I think Shelby would be a bench option at best coming on to, to affect games in the second half. I don't see him as a starting player at Forest, And the same for Chris Wood. So we we were all in agreement, I think, before January that we needed to bolster the squad and get more players available to Steve Cooper, which I think is what we've done with the January signings. But I think the injuries, again, have played a part and we're using these players more than I think the plan was. And that's before we even get to Danilo and Scarpa, who are available but don't seem to be ready for Premier League football yet. Again, I think they were players who were brought in with the idea of bedding them into the team gradually over time and having them in a squad that was more settled rather than trying to, you know, throw them in there and hope that it all works out. And I think that's why they're not involved at the minute because they're simply not ready. Mm, I would certainly say about the Brazilians that I think it's fair to say that 
it was never the plan to play him as much as they did in January. And so maybe that's why they've been kind of taken out the firing line. It, there's been lots of talk, including from Renan Lodi in an interview with um, ESPN in Brazil, saying it's to do with allowing those players time to to adapt because obviously moving from Brazil and everything. And of course, there's Scarpa's well-documented uh, personal issues that we're not going to go into here. Um, Tom, you spoke to a, a Newcastle YouTube channel uh, over the weekend. And one of the, one of the themes was basically that, that you came to talk to us about afterwards was Newcastle have had 30 million pounds or the best part of 30 million for Wood and Shelby. And they're players that don't fit into the way that Steve Cooper's team play, aren't they? Yeah, pr- pretty much. Um, I think in the part, about, it's not just this season. I think in years gone by, you know, when a, like a John Jerry Shelby was playing for like other teams or Chris Wood and they used to be like the falling outside and you're thinking, oh, they're the players, what we would like. But then you would, they do arrive five years too late or whatever. And I just think... With Awani going off injured against Southampton, I just thought that if we're going to get a strike of his ability, we need somebody a bit more mobile who's willing to run the channels because obviously we don't see a lot of the ball in matches and when the, the ball does come loose and we're chasing the ball, you've got Awani who's willing to... Chris Wood's not going to do that. He was like the second concrete against Leeds. I think I mentioned that on the match report. And John Joe Shelby, I just think he's, he's a bit of a luxury player. He's like gets the ball and he doesn't do a lot without it. And in the current situation, we need more players like Ryan Yates, who probably have got the limitations, but will give you something in terms of like breaking up the plane. John Joe Shelby doesn't do that. And I've mentioned that since he's come into the side, he's made Remo Furrow look loss and redundant. And he's taken out the firing line on. Friday and Ryan Yates did come in and for that period when Ryan Yates on the pitch we did look more competitive in midfield but as soon as Ryan Yates went off it was a bit meh wasn't it and we didn't really get into Newcastle's faces and they um, influenced the game and they got that uh, last minute winner from, albeit from the penalty spot but it was only a matter of time if you think about it they were going to score and we would probably like fortuitous on a couple of occasions yeah, I mean, Maradona Midlands, uh, Shelby and Freuler can't play in the same midfield, surely. I mean, I know that Freuler had had a rough patch after the World Cup, but so much of the way the team had settled down was because he was providing that that steady presence in the, at the base of midfield, which provided the basis upon which the other midfielders could do their job that gave the defence a bit of security and so on and so forth. And I, I'm just not sure that Shelby and Freuler can play in the same team, can they? No, I don't think they can. Um, the worrying thing for me is I think Steve Cooper, to disagree slightly with Stephen, I think Steve Cooper would pick Shelby and Wood in his first 11 as his preferred choice. And that's that's slightly why I'm, I'm a bit sceptical about of our chances of staying up. Um, I, I, for the life of me, I can't see why we signed Shelby. I think we, when 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 the rumours first came came up, we we were all talking in our group chat about, well, we don't actually need another midfielder, do we? We've got plenty of midfielders. So just to, for the sheer number of players we had in that position already, there was no need. Two, he's not played all season. 
Three, when he has played in the last few years, he's been playing in a struggling Newcastle team. So who thought it would be a good idea to buy a 30-something-year-old who's been playing in struggling teams for the last few years and, and put him in our in our team? Um, similarly with Wood, I think the, the transfer fee, fee is crazy. It is honestly nuts. Why, why would we pay that much money for somebody of that age when... When when we I mean we 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 were like scratching around to find the money to buy Davis in the summer and then all of a sudden we've got fifteen million pounds to spend on Chris Wood it doesn't make any sense to me and and as as sort of fans of a club that have suffered from really bad administration over periods over the last twenty years where we've sort of learned the harsh lesson of um, administrating a club properly and that and that's the, the the lessons of sort of buying good young players. Um, who have a resale value, not not overstocking with overpaid older players, having a pathway for younger players from within the club to come in. I think that's all being thrown out the window um, in the summer and especially in January. I just, I just there's just no logic to it. Just just because you have the money and you can buy players, it doesn't mean that you should. There's, there's got to be some sort of logic to what we're doing as a club and a little bit of long term thinking because. I just get the feeling that we've we've used the TV money as an excuse to sort of um, hide bad uh, ownership and management over the last few months in terms of the transfers we've done and the way we've built our squad, and that worries mm. me. If we, especially if we go down. Interesting, Tom. We've we could have saved half of that money. I mean, I don't think Coventry are awash with high finances so they could have like offered 10 um, it's probably overpriced but you could have offered 10 million quid for that to Victor Gokoros or even though I wasn't uh, I didn't really want him to come back because that exercises we've had it with uh, Ben Brereton Diaz but I'd rather spend the money what is it 15 million rising up to 19 you could have spent that on Diaz and and he's got that, he's still quite young, so there's still a re- With Chris Wood, it's like, well, he didn't really score loads of goals for um, Newcastle. And the reason why he, he spent so much getting him out of Burnley, because that was his release course, and they needed a strike at the time kind of thing. And they but, made Burnley weaker when they were in a relegation fight. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's something what you do on like FIFA. It's like, oh, he's just scored <laughs> against just let's go and nick their best player. Mm. And, um, so he wasn't really prolific for um, Newcastle. Now we've got him. And I don't want to like do, not like say bad things about a player, but every time I've seen him, he just hasn't really got me out of my seat. Um, okay, and 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 Baz um, Brereton Diaz would have actually fitted in quite well with Steve Cooper's preferred split striker system, wouldn't he? Actually, yeah, thinking about it, he would have been a really good fit for, for the way we play. Uh, the other thing I was thinking is when we signed Shelby, that was when we knew that Kiate was going to be out for a while. And I think by then we knew that something was up with Yates, but we weren't exactly sure if he was going to get over it or not. The key problem we've had since Yates and Kiate have been out is our midfield has been very flat and lacking dynamism. So we bring in Shelby, who's old and doesn't really run that much. And we let Lewis O'Brien go. And that that's another mystery to me. Yeah, couldn't agree more. 
and I mean, you know, we could we could go on about this. I mean, obviously, midfield is defensive midfield is one of Baz's favourite talking points. So we could talk about Freuler and Shelby and so on. The only thing I would say that that yeah, I. <laughs> In fact, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want I don't want to um, uh, preempt anything. We're going to come and, and and hear your opinions in in just a few minutes, fans. Um, but now it's time for this. 1865, the Nottingham Forest quiz. Okay, it's time for the 1865 quiz. Once again, the questions in this quiz come from the Forest Quiz book written by Chris Carpenter. And uh, strap yourselves in. We're going to ask the panel five questions. They're going to shout up if they know the answer. And of course, you can play along at home. So the first question, fingers on proverbial buzzers panel. Who is Nottingham Forest's oldest ever goal scorer? Is it A, George Boateng? B, Danny Collins, or C, Paul McKenna? Stephen. Uh, I'm going to give it to Stephen. George Boateng. Is correct. So George Boateng is Nottingham Forest's oldest ever goal scorer. He got a late point for the club in a 2-2 draw against Leicester on the 20th of August 2011. Aged, it says here, an incredible 35 years and 350 days. So... Let's move on. And the next question, question two, uh, once again, multiple choice. Who is the club's longest serving manager? A, Johnny Carey, B, Frank Clark, or C, Brian Clough? Tom. Go on, Tom. Cloughy. Yep. Uh, he served from 1975 to 1993, managing a total of 968 games. So question three. Who replaced Brian Clough as manager in May 1993? A, Dave Bassett, B, Frank Clark, or C, Dave Mackay? Tom was in there well early. Frank Clark. Yeah, that's easy enough, isn't it? So let's. So Tom's currently in the lead. Uh, Baz and Marid on the Midlands, you can get back into contention, Stephen. You can still win it. So let's move on to question four. Which of these is slash was a Nottingham Forest fanzine? So it's A, Brian, B, Nottingham Forest Diaries, or C, When Saturday Comes? Baz? Brian. Brian, it was. And as someone on Twitter recently commented, remember they gave away that Sultans of Ping FC flexi disc. And if I remember rightly, Baz, I think you probably went to see Sultans of Ping at Rock City, didn't you? Uh, I saw them in Leeds, actually, uh, supported by Radiohead, who were the worst band I'd ever seen. Okay, and and even though they're playing in Leeds, were they still wearing forest shirts and singing "Giving the Ball in the Yard of Grass"? Uh, they did sing that song, and they did dedicate it to Nigel Clough, which probably went down really well with the Leeds audience. Okay, um, so question five: Married on the Midlands, you've still got a chance to get on the board. What is the club's motto? Is it A, Consectatio Excellentiae, B, Labor Omnia Vincit, or C, there isn't one? There isn't one. Married on the Midlands didn't buzz in effectively, but I will give him the point because there is no motto. So... We end up with Stephen on one point, Baz on one point, Maradona on one point. But the winner, as usual, is Tom Newton with two points. So there you go. And it's just time for us to go over to our Twitter polls. We asked a few questions um, of you listeners and 
The first question we asked was obviously, can Forrest beat the drop from the Premier League? 66 of you said yes, so there's some good optimism there. We've already covered the question about whether the brand new transfer window made the squad better, worse or the same. And we did actually have a comment um, from Bruce there saying it appears they brought the guys in to build depth, but the starters were injured. So it was the squad is better in that we've got more depth, but it's worse in that. The starting 11 at the moment isn't as good because of the injuries. I then asked a question which didn't go down well with everyone. Um, If Forrest go down, would you keep Steve Cooper as the manager? Followed by if Forrest stay up, would you keep Steve Cooper as the manager for another Premier League season? And I got accused of being needlessly provocative with those questions. And it is just because... After loft, after defeats, basically Twitter's a bin fire and people saying, oh, he's made all these mistakes. So people are realising he is just a gaffer and he's he's not infallible. But I think it's pretty clear what I think. You, on the other hand, if Forrest go down, 87.6% of you would definitely keep him. 5.8% say you'd get rid. Who are you? And then 6.6% say that someone would poach him. And if we stay up, 93.9 resoundingly say yes, you would keep Stevie Cooper as a manager. 4.1% say no, and 2% say it depends, but they didn't add a comment. So I don't know what it is that they would say. And then last but not least, we finished with the question I've been asking every time we've been doing one of these Forest Ramble discussions. What position will Forest occupy at the end of the Premier League season? 2.4% of you think we can get 10th to 13th. say 14th to 17th and 19% think we will finish in the relegation places. So Maradon the Midlands obviously has signed up for Twitter after all of that. So thank you very much for your opinions and your thoughts. That just leaves us time to say a big thank you to today's panel, to Stephen, Tom, Maradona and Baz, Adam for his cameo appearance and Jeremy for the sketch. Most of all, listener, thank you for joining us and for your comments that you leave after our match reports on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. So if you like what you hear, do subscribe, do share or leave us a review with a nice comment, especially if you use Apple Podcasts because it helps other people to find us. We'll be back after the international break with a match report after the crunch encounter with Wolves. Until then, look after yourselves and each other. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.